Welcome to Live with Greg or Live with Greg, depending on semantics. <laughs> Here with Brooke. Hi. Hi, Brooke. Hi, Greg. How are you? I'm all right. How are you? I'm pretty good for the end of the day. Yeah. Thank you for doing this. Thanks for having me. It's fun. <laughs> we'll see if it's fun. <laughs> so <Why> far. <laughs> um, all right. So I know you to be a creative. A creative? Guess so. Yeah, creating creating my own world here within this. Well, when I first met you, you were super immersed in the arts and. That's right, Earth Circus. Yeah. Yeah, I met you when I was in Earth Circus and doing theater work, and now just oh yeah, I know what happened to that girl. <laughs> oh my god, she became you a mom. Pay rent and yeah. buy gas and groceries and. Have a job. Did becoming a mom shift that, or were you already shifting? Actually, I went to college. I went to college, and I wish I would have just stayed with our circus. I don't advise going to college for everyone. Anyway, uh, <laughs> unless unless you're money bags, unless you. Yeah, college is really expensive. Yeah. Yeah. What drew you to college? Like what? I wanted to save the world. I wanted to, um, I studied, I studied ecology, urban ecology and environmental education. And, um, I did a lot of volunteer work and then I worked in the park as an intern, but I was a paid intern in Point Reyes National Seashore as a naturalist and habitat restoration teacher for kids around the bay after the vision fire. So we did habitat restoration in the burned area. Where was the vision fire? Mount Vision, Point Reyes. Okay. Inverness. Okay. In 1997. Oh, wow. Remember that? No. Oh, where were you? I think I was in college. Where? San Francisco State. You wish. You didn't. Okay, well, so, so, so some kids were having a fire, a campfire, and they didn't put it out all the way. Uh, they buried it, and it caught underground. Wow. And it, it burned 13,000 acres, and it was the first cat- catastrophic fire we've had in a long time around here, and it burned a bunch of houses. Wow. That kind of rings a bell. And so you were part of the reforestation and returning. We didn't reforest. We just we supported the Bishop Pine Forest growth, and then we pulled non-natives. So we'd have the kids come out. We'd do a fire ecology walk, and then we would do a quadrat, which is a, like a, a quadrant that you put down, and then um, a transect, and we would count the number of native and non-native plants and learn plant identification with the babies. And then figure out what percentage was coming back, native or non-native. And then they'd pull out the non-natives. Yeah. So from what do you think is the issue with non-natives? Well, it depends on the non-native. I mean, forget-me-nots, kind of benign, but they also take up a lot of space in that, you know... um, Habitat of the you know dappled sunlight shade where you could be getting other native plants in there because they tend to they tend to they they um, grow well when where they grow they they grow well um, 
because they're not, I don't know why exactly. They're all different, but they grow, they grow more prolifically than the natives. And they don't provide food for the natives that for, for the most part, sometimes they do, but not food for the endemic, the specific local area, which here it's important because we have a lot of microclimates and we have a lot of diversity. And if you have a, if you have an, a plant that is um, turning into kind of like a monocrop, where you know you have like you see a ton of forget me not, so you see a ton of Scotch broom, which is really acidic, which actually is um, makes it more prone to fire. Eucalyptus, super acidic, also makes that area more prone to fire and it's super volatile. So you have a lot of disturbance from the logging around and from habitat destruction and these non-natives come in and they maybe are good for like fixing carbon and such, maybe ground cover, you know, keeping the soil moist, but they're not necessarily providing habitat like as far as uh, like like food for animals or the, the right kind of habitat. Like um, coyote brush is taking over. Douglas firs are taking over where the redwood forests were. And then the coyote brush is taking over too. And it's crowding up coastal prairie. And so there's just a lot less diversity in habitat for critters. So it's not just plants that become extinct. The animals also Oh, yeah. The animals the that depend yeah. on them. Are you involved with... Um, Ecology and I so I um, couldn't afford to be really so I volunteer now so I am involved with it like I'm going to be doing a bear tracking study my first time doing any kind of tracking but going out for four days um, off trail looking for bears tracking bears and collecting their poop <laughs> because you can tell a lot from poop can tell you know male female hormones if they're in heat or you know you can tell um, by the food that they've eaten where they've come from and their migration pattern so we're gonna collect it hopefully and send it off to the davis dna lab and hopefully learn more about the black bears to be able to support them in their migrations and urban sprawl and habitat loss So you have a nine-year-old daughter? She's ten and a half. Is she ten and a half now? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. She, uh, <laughs> gonna make She's a, five feet tall. Yeah. Um, she's starting fifth grade. And um, she's extremely beyond her years. Everybody says that, but she really is. I mean, she's still very immature. (laughs) (laughs) Well, she's your daughter, so you're going to say that to a degree. But she doesn't really act like a fifth grader. She acts more like a seventh grader. (laughs) (laughs) And is there anything that you're aware of that's even just so profound that it's surfaced in a way like you don't have to think twice where you're that changed your life in becoming a mom? Um, well, I learned that people have really archaic views of what it means to be community and parenting in our society. Um, I think outside the box. I'm a real, I'm a real free spirit. I don't really care what other people think and I don't, I'm unconventional. Um, and so I learned, I learned that about myself 
through all this and I learned to welcome it and be proud of it. And um, I had to weather a lot of judgment and um, lack of support in Marin County as far as just being able to have a fine place to live. You know, there's a lot of, uh, what do you call it, um, prejudice. A lot of prejudice in this county. <laughs> in white Marin? In more ways than one, not just racial. Right, right. <clears throat> so as a s- single mom, you found that doors were not opening for you to rent and have a place for you and your daughter. Yeah. Really, that's pretty ugly. But it's super ugly. But the thing is, I had I had a place. Um, I had a boat, and it was a great, potentially a great situation, but not in a great area. And it was a low-income area in Marin, of which our, you know, each town is supposed to have one low-income area, and then the county is supposed to provide some. Well, these folks in Sausalito and the unincorporated there, they've taken over all of that, and they're not really managing it properly. So it's really irritating. And um, so I, I had an opportunity, and I decided to jump ship because I, didn't, I just felt like it was too much of an uphill battle to deal with folks who weren't uh, being responsible about money granted to them and money the money that they charged me you know which was illegal and it was just this weird this Uh. weird situation so I sold my boat and when I did that it happened to be the time where uh, Larry Ellison was having his America's Cup and Airbnb moved in at the same time it was like this big launch (laughs) and Facebook Google was already here but Facebook was also moving into the city And rents went up literally like 50% in a year. Just boom. And vacancies vacancies were fewer because Airbnbs were sprouting up everywhere. It was all the rage. still is. Yeah, so that was tough. And so then everybody is thinking, oh, well, I can charge a bunch now because, you know. I, my 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 sh- my shitty broken down dilapidated backyard garage is worth two thousand dollars. <laughs> I don't have to do anything. <laughs> maybe maybe seventeen for that, but back like five years ago. <laughs> I tell, I do know you to be a free spirit and a strong woman, and. Are there things you consciously are doing as a mom to support that in your daughter? Oh, no, not really. I don't know. I mean, I... I... It's funny. I mean, I've always been conscious. I was I was active against factory farming and uh, nuclear... Um, nuclear, what do you call them? Reactor building new nuclear reactors and such when I was 13 years old. So I, I've always wanted to help and always been passionate about it. So I think just by being authentic and, and having an open dialogue about things that are important to me um, and sharing with her and getting her to share and just helping her to develop her own authenticity, um, that's, that's mostly the way I parent. That's awesome. Yeah, and it's, I mean, I think kids really need an outlet to express how they're feeling, whether they're feeling horrible or happy, you know, if they feel angry or whatever it is, to just be able to express that. Yeah. So how do you deal with her expressing anger? 
Um, well, that's a dance. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, it depends. Yeah. It depends. Is she angry about... I mean, she couldn't have chocolate milk one day, so she got really angry, and she got into my car, and she was in the seat. She put her feet on the windshield, and she was so mad. She did that thing where you push your feet against the windshield to get the seat, and she cracked, she cracked the windshield. And I didn't get mad at her, but I brought it up a whole bunch, and it was annoying for her that I brought it up. And so she, <laughs> she felt really, really bad. Um. But I think the fact that I didn't go off on her helped her to trust me more. But I also kept bringing it up. (laughs) (laughs) Which eroded the trust. (laughs) No, which which just made her realize, like, God, that was a real pain in the ass. Right. And it cost me a lot of money. And here, I have to work. I'm gone these three days to pay for the windshield you broke. Right? (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's good to show the repercussions of that. Yeah. That's a very teaching thing. Hopefully. (laughs) Do you get wrapped up much in like what's spoken of often in the chaos of our society right now as, you know, United States society? Um, well, do I get right? We are all wrapped up in it. I mean, I don't dwell on it. I, I try to sidestep any direct conversation about it unless it's productive or just a few, like sharing for a few minutes with a friend just to connect. But I don't, I don't spend hours doing research on it. I don't listen to the news. I have a nice Facebook feed that tells me what I want, you know. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> I get what I need, though. You know, like, I'm aware. My brother, um, he actually, he just moved to Thailand. He was working for the Pentagon, and um, he was uh, in securities. He he was a government contractor, and he'd go out and he'd find startups and technology that the military may want to acquire to fund the startup, and then they get to use the technology. So he was doing that for a long time, but he was moonlighting, doing some kind of, like, trading Currency. I don't know exactly. Global currencies. I'm not sure. But he's doing really well. So he quit his job. And he moved to Thailand. And um, he, back in his earlier career, was a Marine. And he then went to the Postgraduate Naval Academy in Monterey and learned Farsi and went to Egypt for a year and worked. He also went to Afghanistan. And so he got all this experience and made all these connections. And... um, he is currently trying to get three families out of Afghanistan to stay in his house in Virginia while he's in Thailand. And he actually showed me a text directly from them on the ground to, to sort of share with me the realness of it. And I thought that was pretty, uh, felt very fortunate to be able to read that and be, have that connection because even though I'm not personally doing anything, I feel like I'm really proud of him that he's actually able to and trying to help um, so that kind of stuff, yes, yeah, it, it's, especially because it hits home, you know, it's a it's, direct connection. But, uh, you know, as far as, like, the TRU thing and um, <laughs> <laughs> and even, like, the BID thing, I just, um, it's such a, it's such a SHI show. Yeah. <laughs> so how much do you involve, like, with the knowledge that you I'm definitely going to vote no on the recall. Right. You know, I'm, I'm involved that way. Yeah. 
<clears throat> I voted for Elizabeth Warren, you know, and then I voted for Biden. My first choice. Yeah. Um, do you share, like, with what your brother shared with you, do you share that with Pearl? Uh, I didn't, sh- no, I haven't, sh- I haven't shared too much because, um, and on top of it, um, she, uh, her cousin has to go back to the Philippines. My brother had an adopted son. He got a divorce from a woman who's Filipino and Filipina, her sister owns the orphanage in the Philippines. And because they're divorcing, he has to, his son has to go back to the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, his, his ex-wife's sister adopted him. So, so it's all in the family. And I think that's part of the reason he's moving to Thailand to be closer. Closer, yeah. Um, cause that's his, still his son, you know, this is benefactor and his friend. It's just, it's all complicated. But that's Pearl's cousin, and she loves him to pieces, and there's just a lot going on, so I have to be careful how much I, you know, I don't want to drop bombs. Right, yeah. So she knows a little bit about it, because I think it's important for her to know that. But lean in detail, she doesn't quite understand the magnitude of it. Do you think you lean more towards informing her from her own curiosity? So letting her questions determine what you're sharing? Uh, sort of, yeah, but also if there's something that comes up like that, you know, I mean, if it, if a child over in Afghanistan has to leave the country, they're not sheltered from it. They know exactly what's going on, and they're like five years old. Right. And I feel like we shelter our kids too much and because we're afraid of what's happening or we're afraid that's going to happen to us. or you know, it's, like a, it's like a virus or something. But I think if you share it with love... And like, oh, we need to help each other. And this happens here. And we're so fortunate here. You know, that's why it's important maybe just to like be grateful and, you know, hold the space for others who need it. Coming from that angle, I think that kids are super resilient and that they can they can uh, process that heavy stuff better when they're younger into their older years than if they just learn about it when they're older and then they get all angry and then they use all of their anger you know they project all of it they're like see you're fucking up the world look what you did to me this sucks the world's fucked (laughs) slam the door (laughs) turn up their music (laughs) um so it sounds like down Mount Tam 500 miles an hour (laughs) Drugs, yeah, all sorts of good stuff. <laughs> so it sounds like you have a positive outlook on life overall. Yeah, yeah, right now, for sure. I'm so grateful. I feel like a princess, totally. I, I, and, you know, we don't have a lot. We live on six acres and we're in a trailer. But I trade my rent for feeding these two amazing horses, these fjord ponies. from They're Norwegian. They look like zebras. They're, they're related to yeah. zebras. and they're, they're awesome, and I've been doing that for almost five years now, and it's afforded us a life. I mean, I can save money, and I can take my mom to Mexico, and, you know, I can take Pearl on road trips and can afford stuff, which I, if I lived in Marin and I was paying $2,000 a month, we wouldn't be able to do anything. Well, so your whole rent is taking care of these two horses. Yeah, it used to be three, and it used to be geese and chickens, turkeys. Um, now it's occasionally geese and chickens and the horses every day. So it's an everyday thing. Do you guys it's get fresh eggs? Hmm? Do you yeah. get fresh eggs? Oh, well, I probably could. I should because eggs are so expensive and we eat a lot of them. Um, 
I'm not used to them yet. They're COVID chickens. And, um, What's that mean? they're from Germany. Well, she's like, Oh, you know, the whole COVID thing. Everybody was like trying to get something to focus on like a project. Oh, I got it. Okay. So there are these special chickens, heirloom chickens from Germany and they're pretty cool. Um, but I, I know I've got like, they brought me six eggs and I think if I wanted to go get more, I could. They're, my my landlords are really funny. They're eccentric. And they're a bit disorganized, but they're super awesome. And um, they're highly educated and very artistic and um, just living la vida. You know, they're, they're just having a good cool. time in their late 70s. Are they part of your life? Like it's Pearl? No. No? They're just they're just friends. All right. Yeah, they're your landlords over there. They, they, yeah, and they and they're just so cool. You know, they that don't cool. they don't complain about anything except if I take all the the Santa Rosa plums off the tree. Because <laughs> you tried that once and <laughs> it was really stupid. I don't know what got into me. <laughs> Do you make jam? <laughs> A lot of plums. <laughs> they were so good. <laughs> Blamed it on my mom. She let me. She's oh. like, you can blame it on me because she doesn't live there. And we just said, oh well, she didn't know when she thought they were just the end of the harvest. And oh dear, oh, <laughs> that was very kind to of your mom. <laughs> well, that's pretty cool. So Pearl, can, it sounds like you have a good relationship with your mom. Um, that 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 is very <laughs> interesting. Do tell. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I have no. I have. Um, I have worked very hard on my allergy, allergic reaction to my mom. <clears throat> I literally used to just break into like a panic attack when I would talk to her, and I don't anymore. And I'm really, I've nurtured her relationship with my daughter because it's like the only solid um, grandparents she has both grandpas are dead and then the other grandma's off and so um, I've really learned to I learned to put my I did so much work on myself so that I could make sure that Pearl and my mom have a really good relationship or whatever relationship they'll have you know naturally right. just the opportunity for that the relationship so, yeah. for them and yeah. so yeah I've learned I've learned how to manage my mom was that learned mean? how to manage the energy? Call her Voodoo Mama. Oh, so, what's managing? Um, well, I I had an extremely, extremely traumatic childhood. Like you, are, you might be really surprised. Most people, it's not along the lines of any kind of what is it? I don't know what normal abusive is, but my dad was really, really a psychopath, and my mom left me with him for four years, and my mom was. Um, has a bit of disassociation and compartmentalizes things and just, well, she she left me to sleep on a park bench when I was 13, right? When she could have come to pick me up like a 10 minute drive. That's an example of the kind of stuff. And then I moved out when I was 14 because she couldn't deal. And then, and then I moved out again when I was 16 because I didn't really move out. I was stayed with a friend when I was 14, no 13. And then do you remember Alex coughing? Rings a bell. Yeah, anyway, so we, we lived together from 14 to 16. He was a bit older. It's really young, but we were each other's family. Um, and she's, she just wasn't around. And then I left home when I was 16. And um, 
and we just haven't yeah i i she she really did not pull through as a, as mom um but here we are has here forgiveness we are. after i had pearl she you know she really had the opportunity to kind of relive what it was to be nurturing oh wow. <clears throat> so that's nice for her yeah and it's nice for me because um i get i get some extra time which is you know good healthy yeah that's a good point because what i'm hearing is your mom is today someone you trust your daughter with alone like you don't have to be there yeah well i'm always on pins and needles of how my daughter is going to be when i pick her up um because she can be a bit wigged out after hanging out with her but that's you know that's just kind of normal right i mean knock on wood what happened yeah but yeah yeah but yeah, I had a lot. There was a lot of violence and a lot of invasiveness in my childhood. Um, up until I mean, and then and then I moved to Mill Valley from uh, Truckersville, Oregon, Mount, foothills of Mount Hood. We were super poor. We lived a mile down a dirt road on forty acres, and um, like there was never food in the house. My dad was hardly ever home, and all of my friends parents were like truckers or farmers or you know whatnot and um we i moved away one weekend and i didn't know that i'd never be coming back and i didn't see my dad after that and which is probably a good thing and i moved to mill valley which was totally weird it was such culture shock to move to mill valley from that place and my mom had a job at esprit that's how she got here she from portland she worked at nike and she got a job at esprit and um she was just so so removed and critical and I, I never had breakfast lunch or dinner with her she was constantly nagging and just was never just not never ever like helped me with my homework asked me about you know school we had no connection it was just basically like here you know here's your room my bed was on the floor for a long time because no one would help me put it together <laughs> How did you consciously make the choice to heal that relationship, your relationship with your mom? I'm a very spiritual person, and I think um, I'm not perfect and I make mistakes, but I um, I try to learn from those mistakes, and I, I want the best, you know? I want... I don't feel good if a relationship is in a bad way. That just feels icky to me, and so... Whatever I can do to harmonize it, um, I'll do that if there's an opportunity. I don't, I don't, I just, I, I, holding grudges to me is creating illness. So it's deep, I mean, because really then we really have to like do your some soul searching and see where you're hanging on and like, what, what are you doing and how can, you know, <clears throat> I mean, really all you can do is, is change yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Or work with yourself. Um, and so I think while I my mom is so good at being manipulative and like she's the one who did everything right and she's the one that makes all the right and she's the one that goes oh I finally realized what a crock of shit that was and I was always trying to please her right I was always trying feeling like okay (laughs) I'm shit I'm a piece of shit (laughs) fine no okay um, tell me what to do. 
<laughs> but then I realized that she, like I just saw her for who she was, and then I was terrified of her. Literally, I was terrified of her. Like I Broke would break, house, I, yeah. I would have physical reactions hearing her voice. Um, but she's all I really had as family. That's it. And my brother and my brother and I didn't get along until Pearl was until he got his own kids. Until he was able to adopt uh, his kids was the first time where he started like really. Um, Giving me the time of day. Wow. Yeah, which, so I, yeah. So, but that was fabricated by my parents, that relationship between us. And I realized that. So I'm able to forgive him for, you know, the things that he did to me. And he really, like he, like he, um, when I was four months pregnant, he told me I was imposing serious financial implications and moral obligations onto society by having this child. That's when I was four months pregnant. That sounds very military. And I told him he should take a mirror up on that high horse of his so he could look at himself because it's not that perfect. Yeah. <laughs> that was really jerky. But yeah, that's the yeah. kind of that's the kind of stuff that goes on in my family that's fabricated. Right? And when by you say unhappy people. By right. mom and dad, unhappy, pitting against each other, jealousy, manipulate you know, just icky like just ugh, garbage, right. Garbage, right. totally. Right. So and then when I was when I, Pearl was two and a half years old, um, my brother told me that I had obliterated the last twenty years of his life. I never got a card from him for her, never got any Christmas or birthday presents. Nothing for Pearl. Until she was seven and until he got his own kids. Really? Adopted. And that's when, like... Then he he sent her the first Christmas present. She's like, whoa, who's this guy? (laughs) That's my brother. That's your uncle. Yeah, that was weird. That is interesting. And it is interesting going through a divorce, I think, even in the best of situations. Well, that's... Yeah, it's been a few... Yeah, so that was three years ago that he got his kids. So lots happened with him. And... um, I imagine his view on the world is a lot different than what it was 10 years ago. Um, no, he's always... No, he no? hasn't changed. Really? No, he's extremely bright, extremely driven to jump into the heart of trouble and, and, and be the hero. But he's also someone who now thinks, oh, Christmas, I have a niece. Um... I think he always wanted to be that was always in him but his je- he was he was just overcome with jealousy and sadness because he couldn't have a child because his wife was 8 years older than him and she said she wanted to have a child and then she and then by the time she then she then she didn't and then by the time she was willing to try she was older so it didn't, it didn't really work out yeah wow Hmm. But so that there was a whole lot of jealousy involved with that. So you've healed your relationship with your brother as well. I just have really been taking the high road with all of it. Yeah. I'm interested personally in the process of forgiveness in that road. Well, I've, I've, I've paid people to help me with energetic healing. What is energetic and I work, working? Like? Well, it's like um, emotional clearing, you know, yeah. like like okay, I'm feeling this way. It's yeah, I'm I'm physically feeling this way. I'm getting sick from it. My mind keeps going in the same loop. So, 
finding what bothers you the most and just sitting with it with a person who can sit with you and there's no words but um, this person's extremely talented with being able to balance out all your body systems while you're thinking of this thing that's just making you go "Mm." and so um, that's the type of emotional clearing that I do and it's super effective and it's and it's unusual, and there aren't a lot of people who can do that effectively. But I found what works for me. But I really searched for it, and I, it's not easy. I mean, it's it's not it's it's hard work. Do you incorporate that into your own body work and healing that you do now for other people? Um, I have been reported to do more than just massage. Uh, as far as um, yeah, something spiritual shifts inside my clients, and I've been told that. Mm, I've been told that quite a few times. Neil expressed to me that you were working on him and he had this thing going on with his leg and this pain going on in a different part of his body. And you said, oh, let me just, this is, and you shifted his leg and he said it was gone. Really? Yeah. Like back pain, I think even. Like he was complaining about back pain and you went, oh, look at this. And you just... It had to do with his hip. Oh, well, maybe. That's mechanical, though. Right, right. Yeah. But there's an intuition. Well, so it's funny because I, I realize I go into a trance when I do body work. And I, I, like, I've worked on thousands of people. And I think just always, um, like, I have a lot. I've learned different modalities, but I blend them. And so... I feel like I have, I feel like I do have a direct connection to the divine and that is what keeps me going and I can't explain it. I don't believe in God, but, um, I got certified as a Kundalini yoga teacher and what they define God as they're big on the God thing. Um, generator, generator, organizer, destroyer, right? Like Kali. Kali. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Kali. Yeah. So like whatever you, what, whether it has its own soul or not, I mean, I think that we're all collectively, we're all collectively together and we are like one, one thing that is just has many moving parts. Right. And so like, it makes sense to me, the power of prayer or whatnot with many people to shift a consciousness that all makes a lot of sense to me. And to me, that's God. Yeah, I agree with you. But I also believe in angels. I believe in interdimensional beings and different energies. And, um, and I, it runs in my family the, um, to be able to see uh, see those energies, and I can hear them as well, and I I, I can communicate with the other side. Um, like I've gotten names of deceased that were right on, and I've had conversations with those on the other side, including David Aronson. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, that's sweet. Every now and I talk to him all the time. And you know, some people like just talk to them, but I, I've studied it and I, I've trained with really advanced mediums. And so I know I, I have a lot of faith that my conversation is real. Maybe it's not, but, um, but that's the kind of energy I, I work with when I work with people is, um, working with their angels, you know, um, higher vibrational beings and, um, you know, just also like with Reiki, you're using universal life force. So being able to just channel that, um, that just incredible, incredibly powerful energy that we all have access to, you know, letting that go where it needs to being kind of a conduit for that. 
How do you think that works in the cycle of life and birth, death, especially because you and I, before this started, we're talking a little bit about aging. (laughs) (laughs) And um, so here's this infinite life force. Yeah. Well, so that all starts. So, yeah, disease starts in the subtle bodies, right? I don't know. What's the subtle body? Well, um, Well, like your aura, for instance. Right. That's where disease, so yeah. it's not physical first. No, no, because what comes in, so the mind exists outside of the body and we basically react to what is there, right? And so we are, by the time it comes to us, you know, we're, it's already sort of a consciousness, whatever, coming through and then we react to it. So how we react to it determines you know the ener- the energy that's cycling through our body so if you if you react to something and let it roll off you know your body's not going to go into fight or flight you're not going to you know emit a bunch of cortisone and all this stuff that you know creates the aging process speeds it up so if you're if you're able to react to the mind outside of you in a more neutral way that right there slows down aging tremendously I think we're about to be interrupted possibly okay. all right kind of all over the place anyway no but now like, we just hit one of the veins that i love and like, <laughs> um, so because with what you just shared about your youth and your, i could share a lot more are you yeah. do you want to share a lot more? do you want some gritty gutty gory stuff i don't know if it's appropriate like <laughs> exactly. what's it serve <laughs> It's more important to me to know. Well, what it serves is that you ask questions and you want to know more and you feel like there's more, but how deep do you want to go? Like, what do you really want to know? You know what I mean? Because here's what's important to me that this person who's your mom this time around. Yeah. That you now have what she's amazing. She's an amazing person. She really is amazing, right? And so, for you to say that honestly and unequivocally, with depth and roots to that statement, from what I've heard, fifteen, twenty years ago, you wouldn't have said that. You break out in hives when you have. Um, No, that was more recent. Um, That was after I had my daughter. Hello. Sorry, we got to bring stuff in. That's okay. No, we're doing a podcast. Okay. Can you just set it there and I'll help you bring it in? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. That's Kayla. That's uh, Hi. Brooke. Um, that's Candy's eldest granddaughter oh, who lives cute. here. How sweet. It's nice. So, th- with what. Um, Healing the relationship with the mother, the divine mother, that's where it started for me. Neil was helpful with that. Wow. He's so, you know, Neil. I sure do. Yeah. So he's been a huge, a huge um, spiritual support for me since Pearl was little. He's just been, he's just so awesome, you know? So um, I am on my own journey here with this, but then to hear some positive perspective from someone else who I know really gets it, you know? Having a sense of community and like-minded others really helps, and being able to reach out for it, being able to being able. So for me, I was able to finally um, talk about like I was I was able to be in touch to have to get my identity back. 
I was classified as having an identity crisis um, when I was pretty young, um, which was true. That makes sense. You want out. Whatever you just... When intense things happen as a kid, you feel, hi, you feel, um, you, you, you kind of shut down who you are. Like you put up a veil, you put up a screen or a wall, you know, and you're just basically on like, um, like, uh, what do you call it? Like, not hibernation, but, um, conserving your energy basically, you know, in that fight or flight in that really terrified place. Kids just go out. I mean, they leave their bodies and don't always come back all the way, right? Because it's not safe. And so that is the beginning of an identity crisis, which happens with kids who've gone through a lot of really abusive experiences or somebody when they're older as well. So um, so that was really nice for me to have somebody actually say that to me, you know. And, and that was Neil who said that? No, no, that was okay. a therapist. Um, a, a, that was... That was the thing. No, and Neil never said that. Um, never. But realizing that that's what was going on. And so sort of being able to um, look at it from a more positive perspective and go, oh, I need to get to know myself again. Or I need to protect. I need the, learning, being able to ask the right questions, draw on the right people to create a space where you can actually learn who you are again, where you can actually be able to trust people again. And, you know, you know, actually learn how to set, set boundaries and create a good life for yourself rather than continually drawing in that old garbage that you weren't even drawing in. It's just what happened to you. Right. You Stepping that, out of the victim role and taking responsibility yeah. for for your life now. Or just go ahead and split your wrist, right? <laughs> okay. You can just sit there and cry and create more problems. Or you can take responsibility and do what you can for yourself. Yeah. Do you think it's plausible that you could have a healthy relationship with your real father this time around? He's passed over. So no. Well... Um, no, I've done a tremendous about it. In fact, I don't think I could have done the healing I did have done if he'd been here. I actually, um, I actually, so when he passed, he had cancer and I went to the hospital. He slipped into a coma 10 minutes after I got there and, um, he was on, uh, oxygen in a coma and he's supposed to go to hospice the next day. And my brother and I were in the hospital room. He was 52 and, um, my brother, he's all, I'm going to go to a meeting. Don't let him take his mask off. I was like, he's like, don't, you be, you, you make, make sure, sure he stays alive. <laughs> I was just like, I fell asleep for like 10 minutes. And I dreamt that I was blowing out this tunnel of smoke. And then I looked at the hospital doors and I ran through them. And it was, there was this bright light. And I said, somebody get the zappers. Somebody get the zappers. zappers. Okay. And I woke up and he had... Passed. He had managed to take his mask off. Oh, wow. So I, that was a really amazing experience. And when I think back on it, very healing. It's empowering for me that I was able to be the one to hold the space for him. For him, because I think otherwise he would have gone the left door, right? Like just the shit house. Okay. I think I helped him go to the left. go to a better place. Yeah. So that feels really good. But it took a lot. I was afraid of. I was afraid. I was actually afraid of him. Still, after he passed, he didn't want to be alone. Um, I 
and then I, I told my mom a few months later, I said, I, I still feel so awful that, you know, he died. She's all, he was a horrible man. Get over it. And hung up the phone on me. I'm just like, <laughs> really going through a tough time. But I worked through it. I was able to, I was able to work through it. This is a man who put a, a pistol to my head when I was seven years old. Wow. Thinking that I was an intruder. Out of, like, psychosis? Yeah, obviously. Well, yeah, like, it could have been dark and he didn't know it was you. But you're, what you're saying is... That's pretty paranoid. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. there's a whole Pandora's yeah. bark of, box of chaos. But I, I kept that... I kept That's just one thing. Right. Okay, one. And there's a lot of others. Um, but I kept that inside. I didn't tell anybody until I was until he passed up, passed away. I didn't remember that until he had passed away. All this stuff came up after he passed away. I was so terrified and I didn't know why. And so that's when I started to see a therapist and I even had a therapist tell me that my story was too much for her and, and, sh- and that I needed to see someone else. Ooh. She, and she didn't give me a referral. She <laughs> I know. Um, you're drowning. I can't help you, and I'm walking away. That seems a little... Oh, un- talk about that. So when I was 10, when I moved here from Oregon, I was in my new house in Mill Valley. I was sleeping on the floor. I had fallen asleep. I was like 11. And my mom came in, and she had just been... I guess she'd already went to bed early, but she came in in her nightgown. She's all, I just had a scary dream about you. I dreamt that you were drowning, and I reached in to to help you but my finger stuck in your eye and it was all mushy sweet dreams right (laughs) right so just wacko wackadoodle so how do you think it was that instead of being engulfed in this madness and darkness you climbed out and found yourself to a place of light I can only attribute that to having a faith in something bigger than myself that is good. Because any time where I have become existential, I have lost it. You know. What do you mean by existential? Just to the point where I don't believe where you, where there is no um, like spiritual like um, what? How would you describe it? To me, existential is there's nothing spiritual about it. It's just like we're just reorganizing molecules. And when I thought of life that way in my life, I didn't want to be here. I just didn't. I didn't see any purpose at all. And so I think I've just always had a really strong connection with angels. I have I have a sixth sense. I'm able to see and feel and hear other stuff from other places. And I think I just knew that, um, intuitively as a kid, I didn't really think about it. It's just something that held me. It's something that protected me. So whether it's like a creation for me just to survive, maybe it is. But, um, anytime that I felt separated from something greater than myself of like a spiritual nature, I just wanted to throw in the towel. So you've had those periods of your life. Oh Yeah. Yeah, more than once. Dark night of the soul. Like, have you ever oh, been yeah. at a place where you seriously thought of going to the bridge and jumping? Not. I wouldn't do that, literally. but like, yeah, something. 
You contemplated ending it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I'm not really afraid of death. Um, I don't want to be in pain and I don't want it to be prolonged. (laughs) But I'm not afraid of death and I think that's why. But I also think because I have such a strong connection, I knew that I couldn't do that because there was something for me there. Like, I feel like I'd be doing a disservice by doing that. So I don't, I never went completely insane, I guess. Right? Except being here is insane in itself. So, you know, we're all crazy in this madhouse. Which, so if you're not going to go completely insane, you have to take responsibility. You have to stop playing the victim. Even if you don't think you are, you really have to question, okay, what are my motives? What are my intentions? You know, where am I coming from? Because otherwise, that's a disservice as well, right? So, do you think you do that with Pearl just as a part of daily life? Like, what? teach her to be self responsible? Um, yeah, well, I mean, I am. She sees what I do, but I think she's, I think she, that she's, um, she feels a little bit slighted, you know, because her dad's not in the picture and she sees me work so hard. But I have things worked out really great. And she, and I think she knows that, but she's really stubborn about it. And um, for a long time, she was really mad at me for going to work. And, for, and you know, I, I was also taking classes towards nursing and working. And she was feeling um, just, um, yeah, just, what do you call it? Um I'm totally blanking on the word like, bitter, uh-huh. you know, you know, just short changed. Like I should be there for her all the time. 24 seven. I should be a stay at home mom. Like she learned about on the Sesame street or, you know, <laughs> do you guys have a TV? No, no, but you get it. Like, and you know, we live in an affluent community and, um, she, you know, she, she, are a lot of our friends do, or the moms do stay with the kids, you know, and dad goes to work. And so she has, she's seen that, but she also at this point has seen that that's not much better. You know, now she, she's starting to get that she is pretty lucky uh-huh. in, in her life with her freedoms and that she, um, I don't know. I mean, she's getting there. She, she still, she still feels like uh, everybody has more than her, and everybody gets to have a PS4, and everybody gets to have a, um, a little play. What are those little miniature video game things? Like gaming an iPad things or the Switch? I don't Switch. know. Switch. Nintendo it? Switch. Yeah, 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 yeah. Big, huge, all the time. That's all she wants is a Nintendo Switch, and everybody else has it. Everybody else has an iPhone. You know, so she's definitely just like a regular kid, but she's really intense about all that stuff. She really loves stuff. So for me, it's it's calling her bluff and like realizing, oh, she really does like stuff. She's not just doing that to play games. Right. Right. She really, really does like this stuff. So learning how to kind of manage that and, you know, put forth what's appropriate and put the brakes on what's not. Well, like part of, I think, being a good parent is accepting we'll never be a great parent. Like the perfect parent. We're here. Oh, yeah. I don't, even think, is, I don't even think about that. You don't even go there. No. That's good. <laughs> no. Uh, that's good. <laughs> but we're there, super fortunate. 
for what what we have in our little family, yeah. you know. Our, and so we have three generations of women, you know, Pearl, me, and my mom, and we're a unit. Does your mom live with you? No, but she practically does. I mean, she's I, and and I it's it, she lives down the street, like ten okay. minutes. Uh, but she followed us here. She needs us, and it's useful to have her around. But I would, I would rather if you know see her like once a month. Where's that but statement come from? Um, because it's just a little too much for me. Like I get, I, it takes a lot of energy, you know. To I get, I get, I lose my focus around her sometimes because it's draining. So I'm learning how to how to be stronger around that. Um, but I also just think that. By nature, it would be better for not to spend so much time. So, how do you think this? But it's trip really to nice. Which is nice that I have some. Like right now, I can do this. So. Right, right. <laughs> and the trip to Mexico. Do you like? Are you doing anything to? I'm really excited to be able to offer that to her. But it is going to be. Um. Hopefully, if she gets enough rest, and she can put. Her worries aside, we can have a good time. But she gets a little bit, you know, uptight and stuff. So it might, you know, we'll see, see how it goes. But I'm really, I'm really wanting to do this for her um, and for Pearl. I think it'll be really great. We're going to go down for the Day of the Dead parade, which will be really fun. Yeah. And it'll be our first vacation together. You flying down? Yeah. And then renting a car at the airport. Four wheel drive. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll have fun no matter. We'll have fun no matter what. Do you have dreams for yourself, like for your future? Hopes where you know unfulfilled. I am so simple. I just, I yeah, I want some land, but not a huge amount. And I just want like a basic little house, um, and I just want to be able to have that. And I want to have it for Pearl when she, she gets older. And um, I'd love to be able to travel a little bit. You know, and um, I'm hoping that my physical work shifts into more energetic work as I get older because I was trying to go back to school um, to to get a further degree, you know, to make more money, uh, maybe work from home type stuff. But I with I can't now with Pearl. Um, I, I'm doing everything I can. So just kind of having faith that my own what I do now will evolve into something that supports me as I get older. Yeah. Perhaps I'll go back to, perhaps I'll get like a counseling degree or something, but, um, you know, I work a lot and, um, I feel like when she's in middle school and high school, she needs me at home when she's, you know, not, not off in school or off starting a new business or, you know, anything that takes that kind of energy. She, I just, I, I, I finally, I, I finally hit a wall. I was going to California school of verbal studies. I was studying microbiology, um, involved in all this different stuff because I'm really interested in it. And I finally just, and, and it wasn't too much except that it was for her and it was getting in the way of our connecting and having time together. And I, and I just realized I didn't want to be like my mom and I didn't, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to sacrifice our relationship for my own fear that I'm not going to have enough when I'm older because I know that she will. Um, and so just like focusing on not worrying about that, not worrying about the future and just being really grateful in the moment. Okay. Yep. 
having that faith, it'll it'll all work out. <laughs> We've been told it will. By who? By Jesus. Okay, well, I didn't get the memo, but um, well, they are nice. I'm t- yeah, I'm you. just speaking for myself. <laughs> It's that like when the creative force creates something to fail. If like my faith is creation, the creative force, divinity is love, is peace, and yeah, it only creates out of that. Right. So if you stay in that place, you are creating way more opportunities for prosperity. Right. Yeah. And the definition of prosperity kind of shifts from. At least it has for me, from the egotistical right. kid. Yeah, from the wants. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. I'm simple. I'm okay. As long as I, you know, I want to be healthy, and I definitely need to have, like, a garden, you know. It's like we, we're, we're, we're living precariously. Um, we're illegal where we are, and we've been there for five years, and we can probably be there maybe another five years that I don't want to be. And um, they might sell the property and stuff. So those are definitely... And I would make twice as much money if I was living in Marin because all of my business is here. So... Is that from choice? like, Or is it just the way it worked out? It's just the way it worked out. I mean, I have clients up there, but um, it's just like my, my business is word of mouth here. And it's just been growing here. So that's just the way it worked out. I mean, I've been working at it for like 14 years. Wow, really? That's how long you've been doing body work? Well, I've been doing body work since I was 17. Oh, I really? I just happened to do other stuff too. But then when Pearl was, I was doing it, I did it before Pearl was born. And then after I had her, uh, it was really convenient to be able to do it because you make more money and less time and. And it's a flexible also schedule. Right. But I just worked for myself. I've been working for myself since she was born. And then I had, and so I had a handful of clients before that. And they are the ones that were so supportive of me as a single mom and, um, you know, being loyal customers and referring me out. And, and so that's been really beautiful to have, to, to feel supported in that way in my business. Yeah. It was really cool. Yeah. Is there anything else that you want to touch upon? 